Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. COVID has switched my attention to big league games this year, but players develop at that level as well until they no longer do. If you have questions about Cubs player development, the podcast, or anything else along those lines, fire away on the contest line at Tim815 on Twitter or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Elzele and Merrifield Trade Rumors, and ask me questions if I was confusing. We spend our time where it is valued, and I don't wish to waste yours. I just finished my podcast on Matt Dermody and popped on to make sure that I got it tweeted out to wherever it was supposed to get tweeted out to and the proper uh, handles were being used. And then I checked and saw that Edbert Elzele has been named the starter for the second game of the Cubs doubleheader about, uh, against St. Louis. That is what I call a best-case scenario. Elzele is the best option for that game. The Cubs could, in theory, toss out instead Justin Steele or maybe bring up, I don't know, Corey Abbott or Braylon Marquez. There are a number of people they could send out for that job of starting game two. But there's no real reason to think that anyone that they would send out instead of Elzele would do markedly better than Elzele would. Elzele pitched, was it two or three games last year before injuries shortened his season? At the major league level, he tossed two or three games. His first was um, about the highlight of the season. Uh, Four innings in relief of Tyler Chatwood. And he was he he got a standing ovation going off the field. That's that's about all I need to say. He got a standing ovation going off the field. People who had no idea who he was were wow, this guy's actually got something. His next appearance, I think there were two other appearances, weren't as good. He went back to the minor leagues, had a little injury trouble, and his, and was shut down. But uh, now he's healthy, he's ready to go, and he's getting the start in game two. How he'll do, I don't know. It's baseball doesn't work that way. It's not like a um, like you're watching an NBA game where you're thinking, well, this guy will score 17 points and get nine rebounds because that's usually what he does, and usually players tend to get toward what they get in you know over the course of the long season, you know, 82 game season. But with pitchers, you don't know. You can have a really really good pitcher go out and lay a clunker. I was looking at a game recently where. In 1969, Bill Hands, who had a very good season for the Cubs, he was a 20-game winner that year, uh, almost as good as Fergie Jenkins, but the game I was looking at, he got four or five outs and was done. That's not what you would expect, but in baseball, you never know. And the guy who hasn't had much of a um, sustained run of success through his career can go out and pitch five or six really good innings. You don't know. Alzale, it's a seven-inning game. If he can get... 10 or 11 outs, wonderful. 
get 10 or 11 outs from them, send them back to the minor leagues, send them back to the alternate training site, and let them keep working and get ready because with a young player, it's development. It's development, move them along, get him used to things, and each time he gets up to the major leagues, hopefully he's a bit more comfortable. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember when this thing came up the last time. Okay, I'll have to make sure to not do that because the other time it didn't work. You'll As you get more familiar with any sort of a skill, there are things that become a lot easier to do. And as Elzele gets more experience, he should be more become more reliable, much like as Tyson Miller gets more opportunities, he should become more reliable. So Elzele gives the Cubs the best chance at winning, at uh, getting the game to the fourth or fifth inning, and really, that's what's important. The, the win, yeah, it's really fun to be able to win. But as far as for the long season, for the long haul, for 2022, 2023, hopefully Alzale learns some things, has a bit of success, and stays healthy. As long as you get that, there's really not a whole lot to complain about. So the hope with Alzale today is continue to develop. Continue to develop, get some outs, and keep the team in the game. Pitch three or four or five innings, keep the team in the game. And that's really about all you need right now today. I can't accurately enough emphasize how much I enjoy you guys listening to the podcast. If you want to expand the reach of the podcast, two ways you can do that. One is you can send a podcast that you kind of dig onto a friend that is a like-minded Cubs fan. Hopefully they'll enjoy it. Hopefully they'll start listening and keep uh, doing the positive avalanche thing. Similarly, uh, Anchor allows sponsorships. If you decide you want to become a sponsor of the podcast, look into that. Ask me questions on Twitter about that, and uh, I'll walk you through it. Either way, whether you wish to pass the podcast along or become a sponsor or not, I really do appreciate that you take the time to listen. Today, just today, I saw someone (sighs) leading with the trade rumor. I'm not buying the trade rumor, but someone was leading with the trade rumor. The Cubs should trade for Whit Merrifield from the Royals. The Cubs should trade for Whit Merrifield from the Royals. And as kindly and promptly as I could, I asked him, what are you willing to surrender? All the way into the future to get Whit Merrifield. Trades are a two-way street. To get any quality, you have to give up quality. Other teams want Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield would be useful for pretty much any team that he goes to, probably. And when there's a demand for a player, the team that's making the trade looks for the best available return for said player. For a lot of rentals, I don't think there will be much of a trade interest this year. There just won't, because if you have that relief pitcher who has a 2.79 ERA over seven innings, is that really a sign of anything? Now, how many, how many pitchers 
within the next 10 days are going to actually have 15 innings of work. How many are? Not a whole lot. And the ones that do will either be a case of they're an elite reliever like a um, Josh Hader, who's not getting traded, or possibly they might be in a situation where they're an innings eater type of guy, and whenever their fourth or fifth place team is getting slaughtered, they bring in this guy and let him pitch two or three innings, and he's pitched five times, and he's pitched enough so that he's pitched 17 or 18 innings, but nobody's really interested in him because he has an ERA over six and a half. They're just using him because they have to finish off games. Those aren't the types of players that are going to be traded. The players that aren't going to be traded are the ones that have bad numbers or that have that are going to be long-term pieces for their team anyway. The players that are going to be traded out of bullpens this year are probably going to be the guys who their contract runs through the end of the year. And the team thinks, you know... We can keep this guy through the end of the year and then he'll become a free agent again and he'll go on to somebody else and we get nothing for him. Or he's having a good year. He looks like he's a good pitcher. He's doing some things. He's got some decent... Uh, he, he looks really good on the Rapsodo machine. He's got some revolutions per minute and uh, all that kind of stuff. So they're going to say, hey, we want to try to find the team that's willing to give up the most to get him for this year, for this season, for the 16-team tournament. Whether it's an infielder, whether it's a pitcher, whether it's a... there, Many trades are often based on getting a short-term piece for a long-term asset. Whether it's a short-term infielder, whether it's a short-term relief pitcher. Maybe you don't believe in the starting pitching and you want to have another starting pitcher so the Cubs don't have to use Adbert Elzele in the postseason or whatever. You want the Cubs to make a trade. Okay, that's fair. I'm good with it. People wanted to make a trade last year for Nick Castellanos. That's fine. I was good with it. I was totally good with people wanting to make a trade. What are you willing to surrender long-term? Well, most of the time, the response will be, well, frankly, I'm not really familiar with the minor league pipeline very well. So how about this? You tell me, because you know about the minor league players, you tell me what would be a good trade, and then we'll agree with it, and we'll say, yeah, let's do it. And then if it ends up backfiring into the future, we'll say the front office screwed up. You dig? Cubs get the short-term asset now and quote-unquote we are happy because the Cubs added something to improve the team for now. And if on into the future too much was given up, well, the front office screwed up. Front office screwed up. Okay. That sounds to me quite often like a case of I'm washing my hands 
of my lack of awareness. Because after all, how could I possibly know anything about a minor league player? You know, that's beyond my purview. How could I possibly know that? Well, if you're going to be a fan of a minor league, uh, of a major league team, if you're going to be a fan of a major league team, there's the big club and then there are the prospects. And the prospects, well, last year there were 200, 250, 300 guys in the pipeline. Now, next year, they're going to try to trim it down to 200 for everybody. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. You're allowed your own opinion. But if you're going to recommend a trade, yes, I think it's a good thing that the Cubs are trading these two prospects to get this one guy that I've heard of. Okay, fine. Great. If that's your opinion, I'm good with it. But that should be your opinion forever. If the player that the Cubs end up trading away ends up turning out to be really good, you said it was a good trade. You said it was a good trade. It's not the front office's fault if you say it was a good trade or it was a bad trade. When there is an exchange... Look into everything possible that can be gathered on both the player the Cubs are acquiring and the player or players the Cubs are giving up. Do all the possible research you can and come to your decision. Back a couple of years ago, the Cubs traded an infielder for a relief pitcher. I was entirely unfamiliar with the relief pitcher. Totally had no idea of what he was ever going to possibly do. He'd pitched, I think he pitched in a major league game before, at least one, maybe a couple. But I wasn't familiar with him. I didn't know a thing about him. And his numbers weren't that good. And at the time, the Cubs were trading one of their better power hitters to make the trade. So... I assessed what I saw. The Cubs were giving up a player who had as much power as they had in their pipeline. And they were getting a relief pitcher. And I wasn't too sold on how the Cubs had done with other teams' relief pitchers up till that point. So I, so I said, I don't like the trade. Doesn't work for me. I think the guy that the Cubs have is better than the guy that the Cubs gave up. So I did my five minutes worth of research. I checked in whatever I could, and I decided, you know what? I don't like this trade. Said it. I told it to a number of people. I posted it, and I was officially on record. I did not like the Jason Vossler for Rowan Wick trade. I was wrong. There's a reason I didn't like the trade. And part of the reason I didn't like the trade was because I had no idea how good Rowan Wick was. I was somewhat familiar with Jason Vossler, and I was somewhat familiar with the Cubs pipeline. I hadn't watched much of or listened to much of Rowan Wick's work. I didn't have anyone in the Padres system to uh, run an analysis by, so I, ha I had nothing on his end. So I didn't like the trade, it turns out. Rowan Wick has pitched quite a bit better for the Cubs than 
I had thought, and I'm perfectly willing to say, yeah, I did my homework and I didn't do it very well. I did not come up with a good decision on that, but I came up with a decision and to this day, I'm still willing to admit to it. I'm still willing to admit that I thought Jason Vossler's power at the time was more important than the likelihood of the Cubs getting a good reliever from San Diego. I didn't think the Cubs would be able to do it. They did. I'm wrong. It's easy. See how that works? If you're going to take a stance on a trade, great. But it's not all that matters is 2020 and the future doesn't matter. Everything should be taken into consideration. How good do you think the player is going to be that the Cubs are giving up? How good do you think that the player is going to be that the Cubs are bringing in? What are your reasons? What is your evidence? Why are you saying that? What are you going with? And if you're a type of Cubs fan, and there's a lot of them and a lot of good Cub fans like this, if you don't have the ability or interest to do, the, do your own homework, that's fair. That's totally good. That's totally legitimate. Find someone else who does. There are plenty of Cubs blogs out there. I do this podcast. There are a number of people on Twitter who I follow. Perhaps you know who they are. Perhaps you don't. But all of the Cubs blogs have at least some semblance of an interest in the Cubs minor league system. Pick their brains. Generally, people who are interested in the minor leagues love it. Absolutely love it when, hey, I was thinking about what would happen if the Cubs would call up, oh, Jack Patterson? Tell me about Jack Patterson. I don't know enough about Jack Patterson. Make me an expert on Jack Patterson. We love it when people do that. Whether they're really paying attention to what we're saying or not, we love it because we think people are actually interested in the minor leagues then. Most of us, we think that the minor leagues are just completely disregarded and it's completely absurd because almost every major league baseball player comes from the minor leagues at some point. And it seems to most of us like it would be a nice thing if people paid at least a little bit more attention to the minor leagues, both of the Cubs and possibly other organizations. So if it's a situation of where I'm one of the people you're interested in as far as an opinion on the Cubs minor league system. So at some point between now and the end of the month, the Cubs make a trade and acquire somebody. The person commented, um, Whit Merrifield, a Whit Merrifield trade. It's not going to be that. I don't think the Cubs will go that way because they, the Cubs want to try to get under the spending limit, rightly or wrongly. Merrifield would probably push them over, but etc. So if there's a trade and the Cubs acquire a veteran, you probably know more about the veteran than I do, honestly, because I'm paying a lot more attention to either 
the Cubs minor league kind of stuff or the developmental stuff or who's on the DFA wire. And when the Cubs game comes on, I'll flip it on and listen to Pat and Ron call the game. And I'll be on my Twitter while that's going on. But I'm not going to watch the late night games on MLB TV. I'm just not going to do that. And uh, so when the major league veteran comes over, you probably know them more than I do. But when the trade happens, you probably have an awareness. Uh, let's say the Cubs end up trading for... It won't be this guy. It won't be this guy because the, the, their team is probably going to be making the playoffs and they wouldn't trade this player because of it. But let's say Alex Calame, who is the White Sox closer, is a person that the Cubs acquire in a trade. It won't be Calame, but I'll just use him as an example. If the Cubs would end up trading a couple of prospects to the White Sox for Alex Calame, it's completely good for you to say, I'm really happy the Cubs are getting Alex Calame. That doesn't mean the same thing as I like the trade. The I like the trade part incorporates an expectation on the future value of the players that are going the other direction. So if the trade happens and you're not familiar with the players the Cubs are surrendering, then what you do is you talk to the person that you know of on the blog that you pay the most attention to, the blog that you trust the most, and, hey, tell me about these guys that the Cubs traded. Last year, when the Cubs traded for Nick Castellanos, I don't seem to remember anyone asking me, so, Tim, can you inform me of what you know about Pitchers Paul Richin and Alex Lang. Those are the two guys that went back to Detroit. Now, if you're going to assess the trade, you should be assessing the current value of Nick Cassianos against the future value of the other players. People didn't ask me that. When the Cubs traded Tom Hatch to Toronto for David Phelps, nobody asked me. So, Tim, tell me about Thomas Hatch, is he worth getting upset about losing? If you're interested in assessing a trade, you should be interested in assessing current value versus future value and coming up with your own sort of formula on how to do that or else relying on someone else's formula. I don't specifically have a formula, but I do know that if you're bringing in a player for this year and giving up the entire career of someone else, that's pretty much an equation. There's an equal sign in there somewhere, and there's a coefficient on one side, and there's a coefficient or three on the other, and you add them together, divide them by six, carry the four, and you come up with something. And initially, you should have an idea of if the trade works out, and eventually, if the player ends up being a lot better, going one way or the other than expected, then you end up, going with the, hmm, I didn't expect Rowan Wick would be that good. So when the Cubs do make a trade, whether it's for Whit Merrifield or someone else, remember that there are two sides of the equation. And before you're going to decide for yourself whether you like the trade or not, know what both sides are getting. Because 
both sides of the trade matter. The future and the present both matter. And somehow, somewhere in there, there's an equal sign, and you have to figure out a way to decide what what makes more sense. I don't think the Yankees are too upset about the Glaber-Torres trade. I, I know that. Uh, Cubs fans are certainly happy that they won in 2016, but Torres would be nice on the Cubs right now. So sometimes you end up in a situation where both teams get what they want. Sometimes it doesn't quite work that way. But if you're talking about a trade, both sides of the equation matter. Thanks for stopping by Prearb Excellence. I'll try to post another podcast as circumstances warrant. I'll attempt to make sure that that one's worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Edward Elzele, go. And be nice to people.